0: welcome to strange bedfellows podcast where no question is too dark no topic too taboo join us to explore sexuality self-help and politics with our expert guests and friends we believe that sexual rights are human rights and that we can all create a brighter world through education and conversation I am a parent I am a certified holistic sex educator I am Longtime sex worker and adult industry entertainer. My name is Elle Stanger, and I'm a host of Strange Bedfellows Podcast.
1: My name's John. You might know me as the audio engineer and editor of last season's podcast. I'm now returning as a co-host for season two. I'm a 22-year-old gay man and activist who will share my perspective in the coming season. Join us while we explore and uncover the things that make us squirm, make us shiver, make us tingle in delight, because sex and politics can make for some very
0: strange bedfellows. So in the last week, I've had a very busy week. (laughs) I went to a sex ed training uh, as an assistant teacher, so I'm still learning how to teach. Uh, that was a great experience for me. I went to a sex club with B last night and we had all kinds of sex with each other and we witnessed other (laughs) people having sex with each other. And so that was a first for us in that way. So that was wonderful. Um, but this brought up a lot of things for me and I thought maybe I, we could talk about acknowledging some of our fears as partners or sex havers. Um, We could take some feedback from our listeners. Uh, I wanted to talk about some grounding and self-soothing techniques, some ethical dilemmas that have come up um, in any of these things, whether it's like sex or business, work interactions. Um, So I thought I'd open with a discussion question for you to consider and for us to share, John. Uh, So what are your fears in dating? What are things that you're afraid of? What are things that come up for you? I'll give some examples. Jump in anytime. time. Um, fear of rejection. Just like. Yeah. Uh, loneliness. Like the feeling that um, nobody like I'm always going to be without companionship. Um, I'm afraid of hurting people's feelings when I say no no what about you
1: um I think those come up for me as well I think even in a relationship you can be afraid of rejection um Mm -hmm. if someone like you're afraid that someone won't like you for you or like I hate the word quirks but the quirks of your personality oh god this girl in my class and I'm just like she's she led she said the other day she was like i'm really quirky like she just said something she's like it's one of the quirks of my personality and i was just like oh god i don't (laughs) i don't know if i can like
0: yeah anyway i'm quirky um yeah so i love that you said that even in relationship you can experience rejection because b and i i mean we reject each other all the time or we feel rejected um i want to like explain that more but in like Non monogs dating, like sometimes you have to take some space away from your partner and sometimes you have to make more space for your partner. An example was recently B went on a date and he was gone for altogether. When I go on a date, I go for like two to three hours. That's what I feel comfortable spending an amount of time with someone who's not like my main partner, but like to have sex yeah. or to talk, you know, like a couple of three hours. I've probably i like spent my energy like that's been enough. So he was gone for like seven hours and they had a great time. But I suddenly felt very insecure. I was like, oh, my God. And I said to him, I was like, when was the last time we went on a seven hour date? And yeah. then, you know, so like but to him, he's like, well, I you never specified. And to me, I, I don't really see a difference and then I said, well, how can you not? And he said, well, maybe two or three hours is, is good for you, but you approach things in a more efficient way than I do. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> Thank you for the compliment. But like we, some people just operate differently. You know, we unwind at different paces. So now I've had to specify because that's like still an insecurity of mine is not having when that fear came up for me. Like, oh, this person's having more time with my partner. So that was my ownership feeling. But like my partner was having a great time. And the reason is I already feel like I don't get enough time with B. I don't. Yeah. So if if we were around each other all the time, I'd be like, go. Go for a day. Go for a sleepover. Go for a road trip maybe. But like I already don't have enough time. So for me, breaking down my my fear, my reaction was like really working backwards to like, what am I afraid of? I'm afraid of losing time with someone that I already don't get enough time with. So yeah. So I think um, I just encourage people to like, when we're feeling jealous, what is it telling you? What is it actually telling you? If our bodies are being smart, and a lot of the times they are, our brains just aren't understanding what our bodies are trying to tell us. So um, okay, so then how about this? What does what is, um what does rejection feel like in your body? My chest hurts when I feel rejected.
1: Yeah, I think it's like a weird chest feeling. Maybe a stomach yeah. feeling too.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so what does it feel like when you're accepted? Do you remember that feeling of like, say your crush, think of your current boyfriend, like, say the first time he like, maybe you reached out and he reached back, you know, within like in text or something, or like with a plan, mm-hmm. or like with a compliment, and you're like, "It's definitely uh, a high." Yeah,
1: it's, it's definitely a high. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. So B and I went to a sex club last night. <laughs> um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I told him, and I forget this, but I've said this on the show, I think, and I'll say it again. So I don't want to expend the energy like having people approach me or me approach them when we're not interested um but that's you know people it's also it's a sex club so it says on the on the wall the rules that this particular one says no means no if someone you know declines don't ask them again basically which i love um or B is so nervous in social situations, especially new ones with a lot of like stimulus going on, you know, I told him I said, if you don't want anyone to think you're interested, keep your eyes at like waist level so you don't make eye contact with anyone. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) And he's like, thank you. I didn't think about that, but I will now. And I understand why, <laughs> because it's really like, we're just, we're all looking around. And I, I caught, I caught eyes with a couple different people. Um, most of them were just like single men. And I saw one in my peripherals, like follow my movement. And B was right behind me. Cause I was like, I'll lead the way. You don't know where you're going. But I accidentally locked eyes with one handsome young man that I, I already knew I wasn't interested in. And I watched him like I would see them them stare a lot longer than I would because they're looking like I already have a partner. I'm fine, but they're looking. Yeah. So I'm like, ah, keep my keep my eyes down. <laughs> um, do you think you and boyfriend could ever go to a sex club? Have you guys ever talked um, about it?
1: Well, first of all, geographically, no. <laughs> we okay, pretend like, fly somewhere.
0: Um, pretend you yeah. are here. Pretend you're I've here and it's like gay friendly.
1: Interested, um, That's for sure. I even talked with you about going to one uh, in Portland. The problem is a couple things. So first of all, I've never been to one, right? So mm-hmm. like going and being by myself would have to be something I would probably want to do first so that I can see how I feel. It's a lot harder for me to see how I feel about something if I'm surrounded by other people. My mood will tend to try and match their mood. Um,, mm. and the other part of that is that I also feel more comfortable around other people, so it's like that I know, um, mm-hmm. so like the experience that I get into when I'm vulnerable may not be the one that I'm experiencing when I'm like walking in with someone else, so like I wanna mm-hmm. know like how I feel um truly, and the other part is then like I have to I don't know, like for me, the problem is I would wanna be able to set boundaries. And I feel like a lot of things come up where it's harder to set boundaries about in the moment. So mm-hmm. if I were to do something non-monogamous, I think I would much rather find so- like a third person and start with something like a threesome um, mm-hmm. than, than ever foire into a sex club um, without any mm-hmm. previous experience of sharing uh, my partner with someone else. So mm-hmm. for me, that would be difficult um, to do right off the bat. But I think with time and experience, like I wouldn't be totally opposed to it. I think it'd be an interesting experience. I do Mm -hmm. wish that sex clubs were maybe more normalized and that there were more of them. (laughs) That would certainly make it easier, wouldn't it?
0: (laughs) Yes, it Um, so would. Uh, I I felt so, so grateful. So the one we went to last night, I've been to, he asked me when we were in the bar, he's like, how many times you've been here? And I realized this is my fifth time at this one. Um, The first three, I had been there on assignment to write about them. The fourth one, I was there with Snake Lady, and I talked about that in episode. This was my first time with a man partner where we actually had sex in a couple different rooms. And I will tell you the only reason that the sex happened was because we were able to find this venue offers a ton of rooms where you can make them pretty private and very safe. So the doors locked There was um, in both of them like curtains, but they were semi-sheer. So if you're standing right outside, you can see in. And then another room had like a more solid curtain option. So you could completely block everything out. Um, But you can hear. So we went into one room that was four walls solid. There's not even like hardly any screen. Oh, there was a small screen. Um, But I could hear the woman... A woman with her partner, I didn't really hear him hardly at all, but it was a him when I did. And she was just coming. They were doing all kinds of fun stuff. There was spanking, like I could hear. And I just was like, the fact that I know that I'm safe, no one's going to intrude. And the fact that I get to listen to someone else getting off was like, yes, it really set the vibe for me. Because like just... Go, yeah, going to the sex club when there's just everybody's looking at you. Like, no, I don't want anyone to think that I'm that much of an exhibitionist that I just went to the middle of the room and fucked B because that's not how I feel comfortable. I love when other people do that because then we can witness them. But I don't need, like, I don't have that need for exhibitionism. You know, like, I get enough visibility in my life (laughs) personally. Um, But so I was really, before we went, so like setting boundaries with your partner, I told him. And we've talked about like a two drink minimum if you do any kink stuff, other kinksters myself, but we've talked about having like maybe a, a two drink maximum or a one drink maximum or total sobriety. It's like you and your partners discuss your levels of intoxication because recently I had a friend who had a hookup and then he realized after the hookup that she fell asleep. So then he spent a couple hours with her making sure that she was OK and also he was afraid that she would accuse him of rape if she woke up and didn't know um this is like how I told it from his so turned out like she was fine and it was all consensual but that brought something up for him like oh wow I guess I shouldn't maybe have sexual interactions with people that are intoxicated when we haven't talked about it before like hey are we going to have sex when we're intoxicated how intoxicated um so I ate a big fucking edible before we went (laughs) oh my god I had a big really? fucking edible, bef- oh yes, and I was so in it, and I told B, this is the point of why I said all this, is like, we've been together three years, I'm pretty familiar with what he can drink, I knew this venue measures their their drinks, so it's not like the bars we usually hang out with, where you get like a stiffer pour if you're drinking, I said, hey babe, I don't like the word pregame, like as an alcoholic, really, also that's like still dealing with like the impulses of still wanting to drink and i work in booze atmospheres and we're going into them but you might want to have a couple drinks before we go to the sex club because he's like oh no i can't be in there sober i can't i can't relax enough (laughs) so i had my edible he had a couple drinks we found our private rooms we walked around. I mean, there was plenty of people that could be triggering for other people. There was plenty of like solitary guys. One guy walked past me and went, mm, in my ear. Ugh. Which I turn around. I was like, No, 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 thank you. No, sir. I'm not interested. <laughs> like super loud. <clears throat> um, um, you know, so like that shit happens. Like God, that's yeah. I yeah, it's not like and, and like no no space can guarantee that they are a safe safe space you can try to be a safer space and I really feel like the staff does um but just like acknowledging that like no container is totally safe um so there's some excitement to that but oh I watched this couple oh my god I saw so much this one guy um so first I was witnessing like a kind of a rough blowjob situation where she was he was like kind of face fucking her and I had the fear like oh god I hope this is consensual and then when he noticed there was an audience he suggested her to get up onto a table and he just started going down on her he's using his hands there was slapping she was super wet she was arching there was moaning it was great I was like oh my god I loved nice. witnessing this uh, it was beautiful. He she was like relaxed and in it and not really checking. He kept turning around and checking to see if people were still watching. And at first I was like, oh, maybe we shouldn't be watching. And then I realized he can close the curtain if he wants. I said to B, I said he he likes being watched. He because he's checking to see if folks are watching, just like I was when we were in the other room. Because at some point when I was comfortable enough, I was like, yes. I do want people to see this because this looks magnificent. I just don't really want to see or hear them.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And then a man that looked like fucking Colonel Sanders come, came over and stood right in the way, mouth breathing on the glass, and they shut the curtain. And I was like, I don't blame you. <laughs> God. <clears throat> no chill. That guy had no chill. Um, so it was a nice time. Uh... Going back to thinking about your fears or like dealing with rejection, one of the ways to manage when you're going into an interaction, ask yourself, what are your goals? Like, what am I hoping to get out of this? No. You know, I mean, really in dating, like, do I just want to see something different and meet people that live differently than me and maybe experience some pleasure? Am I looking for someone to marry? Am I looking for someone to have sex with? Um, identifying your goals will help you I think change your behavior um also no matter what accept failures in life as a certainty like honestly no no matter what you're doing yeah I mean we're gonna fuck up like when you do something especially for the first time it's probably not gonna go perfectly no so I mean like my fifth sex club experience at this one venue was oh my god otherworldly great compared to my first time so I don't know. Uh, like, how would you say the sex is for you with your partner now, now that you've been together for like a year? How do you feel your sex is these days compared to like when you started having sex?
1: Um, A lot better. There, there's a lot more coordination. and um, It's also a lot more fun when you like know what positions are the best. And we've talked about that a little. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah school's stressful so like when you when you factor in like a stressful variable into your sex life sometimes you'll be having a bit less sex um Mm, if you're the type of person who's like i don't know affected by stressful situations to the point where you might be having less sex um which i i definitely can be and i've been trying to figure Mm -hmm. out how to like manage that um because i get home from like a long day of school and i'm like I have to, like, get into the mood to, like, have sex, and that, that's not always the case. Like, even if I'm, like, super attracted to to my boyfriend, which I am, I just, like, I get these days where I'm, like, uh, school, like, mm. I just want to go take a nap.
0: Um, <laughs> You poor baby. So your libido's down, is what you're saying. A bit, yeah. But, I mean, it fluctuates, yeah. so I'm, I'm doing all right. <laughs> I'm always amused to see how one of us is usually busier than the other in terms of sex life. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Keeps the balance. It
1: alternates for sure. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You poor babe. Um, what else do you want to know about the sex club? I ate three chocolate chip cookies. (laughs) 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 Uh, I told B because so also I was hungry beforehand. Um, we got like fries and some pickled vegetables at some other bar. Um, but I started laughing Um, because there's always a stigma around like food and naked people. Like it's the same with the strip club all the time. I tell clients some, like new people to the club say, oh welcome and i say the food here is actually really good and i will preface it with actually really good like that way because a lot of people say oh really i was kind of wondering because it's a strip club anyway but i said to be i was like there's gonna be food there like there's gonna be a snack table he says nope i don't want to eat near the snack table because there's dicks like within inches of the snack table so yeah. i just try to find the, the cookies that are like furthest away and highest up mm-hmm. on the table um and just hope that
1: snack table is all the more reason to eat like
0: uh yeah it depends on the folks and the dicks that they're attached to the (laughs) the people that the dicks are attached to um let's see what else what else i wish the music was a little better there was a lot of late 90s hip-hop that just reminded me of being at like a high school like pep rally because that's how old I was the last time I I heard. Yeah. It was like a lot of ludicrous. (laughs) Uh, It was a good time. Um, All right. Uh, So let's see. I'm trying to think how I can tie this off before we go to break. Um, I'm interested to hear from listeners on different ethical dilemmas that they experience with their partners in dealing with rejection or setting boundaries Um, because also like a part of being in relationship not just with other people but in relationship with yourself is accepting parts that are not changeable like I know I am an anxious person by nature so sometimes I have to check in and be like wait are you reacting the way a non-anxious person would (laughs) or are you overreacting right you know stuff like that or like b is a fucking slob sometimes so me being very specific with like here is the hamper throw clothes in here you know like but to some degree i know that he just doesn't see the mess that i do so it's like acceptance like trying for each other but acceptance so um it's tricky. I want to hear from listeners on how they manage. Um, and I also want to hear from people on how they do, um, self-care dating. Actually, how you do self-care after dating. Yeah. Uh, let's take a break. Racks is the first native app designed by and for sex workers with unique features like a social feed, club reviews, income tracking, and event calendars. Use it to grow your business at the touch of a button. For more information on racks and more events, in depth courses, and free content for adult entertainers, visit www.racks2riches.com. R A C K S 2 Riches.com. And just for Strange Bedfellows listeners, use discount code SBP at checkout for 10% off any educational products. Portland area service and sex industry workers,
1: Ritual House Wellness is your go-to for energetic self-care and Reiki is a profound tool for many folks. Reiki is a gentle touch therapy that can be utilized for empowerment and personal growth. Try Reiki as an effective energy healing technique for stress reduction and relaxation that supports the body's own natural healing abilities. In these sessions, we focus on healing mind, body, and spirit. Want to try it? Bree James at Ritual House Wellness is offering 40 percent off on all services and packages for those in the industry. Visit RitualHouseWellness.com or Ritual House Wellness on Instagram. So that would reduce
0: trafficking, pimping. Isn't that rad? Mm-hmm.
1: That is really cool. Uh,
0: yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, if you want to fund any of our activism endeavors, uh, I don't like using the term, um, but you know, let's be honest, if we're doing calls to action where we're following through and offering networks for people to impact legislation that changes people's lives and laws that is activism so you can support us um, yeah in many many ways by sharing the show or donating anywhere let's do some book roulette three very different books that offer good reminders on perspective we'll say that so i just bought this one uh i've heard it recommended by dr roz and other people that i trust and admire sex is a funny word by cory silverberg and fiona smith a book about bodies feelings and you. uh this one is a lot bigger than their other book what makes a baby our episode with morea malat we Briefly, we mentioned What Makes a Baby, and we said that book was okay. I think this one is a great deal better. Um, This book is drawn kind of like a comic book, very bright. It's for kids and their parents. Everybody is different. Trusting your body means learning to listen to your body. Always ask before you touch someone else's body. Everybody feels good sometimes, and everybody feels bad sometimes. Everybody needs help from other bodies sometimes. Um, it can be fun to pay attention to how your body grows and changes. Draw a picture of what your body looks like now. Show the parts you like the best. Next, draw a picture of what you imagine your body will look like when you are older. Will some things look different? Will some things look the same? Um, I'm really interested in the age groups for this. I bought this because my kid is seven. And she knows that babies are made when a penis goes into a vagina, and she also knows how to ask for touch. And she's having curiosity in touching her friends, um, not in a sexual way yet. But there's a lot of there's a lot of physical play among kids in the playground, so it's really great they yeah. have these skills. Yeah, and then her body will start changing in a couple of years. Um, she's gonna get ouchy little breast buds under her nipples. I remember those. They fucking hurt. <laughs> Vulva, clitoris, and vagina. Vulva. Oh, that's funny. So it points to one section where grown-ups' uh, illustration of grown-up vulvas and they have hair on them. It says kids, and it points to a bunch of illustrations where there's no hair on the genitals, and there's just a tiny, tiny bit on one. <laughs> it says some some bodies have a vulva and some don't. Lots of people, including grown-ups, confuse the vulva with another middle part, the vagina. The vagina is on the inside of the body and the vulva is on the outside. Shit. All right. Glad I bought this. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have books like that when I was a kid. I'm amazed.
1: <clears throat> um, okay. Yeah. The one I got my sister to help her learn was the one you recommended. Um, I think it was. Was it Our Bodies, Ourselves? No, it was the big encyclopedia one, right? Yeah, like, you know, for- Our Bodies,
0: Ourselves. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, and your sister's very smart and she's definitely old enough. So that will have almost almost anything she might ask at this age. Yeah. Uh, and then a lot of resources for other things that it might not. Um, so this next book, we've mentioned this author before, Robert Greene. This is The Laws of Human Nature. John, which do you want to hear about? Um. Narcissistic types of people. Toxic types of people. Signs of envy. Ooh. Um, envy. Signs of envy. I don't know. Signs of that envy. Sounds interesting. Okay. okay. Doom. Doo, doo. Oh, this is fun. Okay, so The Laws of Human Nature. So this book, uh, like any book you read, like any book you read, take it with a grain of salt. But I've found a lot of these um, descriptions and examples to be true to things that I have experienced. So we're going to read about signs of envy. Uh, Beware the fragile ego. Uh, So a sign of envy, besides micro expressions, and we know what those are. We've mentioned that a little bit. The next one is poisonous praise. A major envy attack is often preceded by little envy bites, offhand comments expertly designed to get under your skin. Confusing, paradoxical praise is a common form of this. Let's say you've completed a project, a book, film, some creative venture, and the initial response from the public is quite positive, so it's doing well. Enviers of this will make a comment praising the money you will now be making, implying that that is the main reason you have worked on it. You want praise for the work itself and the effort that went into it, and instead they imply that you have done it for the money that you have sold out. You feel confused. They have praised you, but in a way that makes you uncomfortable. These comments will also come at moments chosen to cause maximum doubt and damage. For instance, just when you have heard the good news and feel a flush of joy. Um, this is a fucking gaslighting thing. This is something that people do when they're trying to emotionally manipulate you. Partners do this. Family members do this. An example of this would be, oh, you're working as a stripper now. Well, that's great. I bet you'll have all kinds of guys looking at you. Yeah. Like, like, that's not why she's doing it. She, In this case, she's probably doing it for the money. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so, um, do you. but does that sound like a thing? Have you ever experienced that? Um, look I for it. I have. Pretty
1: rarely. I think at least, or at least I haven't noticed it. I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to tell sometimes because some people some people will hide it better than others when they like say those things. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, it's just it's hard to tell.
0: Mm -hmm. This is a great one. Okay, so determine the strength of people's character. This is from The Laws of Human Nature by Robert Greene. When choosing people to work and associate with, do not be mesmerized by their reputation or taken in by the surface image they try to project. Instead, train yourself to look deep within them and their character. Uh, People's character is what compels them to repeat certain actions in their lives and fall into negative patterns. It's formed by their earliest years and by their daily habits. Look closely at such patterns and remember that people never do something just once. They will inevitably repeat their behavior. So in terms of this, he means gauge the relative strength of their character by how well they handle adversity, their ability to adapt and work with other people, their patience and ability to learn. Always gravitate towards those who display signs of strength and avoid the many toxic types out there. Um, Can you think of, okay, so I got roped into a, (sighs) I got included into a group thread with a friend who was sending us videos of her abusive partner calling her names and breaking furniture and we all thought she was going to die so we all sprang into action this is late one night suddenly I haven't talked to this woman in a while she lives on the other side of the world when we were like call the police here's money well why are you we're on the phone like you can go here like are you packed okay on day two of all of us like trying to offer support we started asking her like wait are you actually ending the relationship and it became clear to us when she began defending him that she wasn't looking to leave or break up with him Um, But she just wanted to vent and she just wanted to be seen and feel heard. And she wanted us to validate what a piece of shit he was. So we all did. We're like, we hate him now, but why are you still here? And so we all had to set a boundary. And I said, I don't want to be witness to another abusive relationship of yours with no end in sight because it's too traumatizing for me. And we give you advice you don't follow and i can't do this i've done this for 10 years with this friend so i've i've now like i think you know i'm available to this person i said i'm here for you when you're when you're ready to move forward and heal but not when you're still with him yeah. and this is an example of people's like behavior repeating 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 and how it is very easy to get sucked into this kind of toxicity when you are trying to help yeah so um can you know can you think of any people i mean and you don't have to share it cuz it's personal stuff but think like maybe in your family or in school where it's like why does this person keep acting this way or doing this or dating these people or you know I've like had, uh,
1: um i've had friends who and it was a real wake up call for me in terms of substance abuse like in high school i smoked a lot of weed and that wasn't too much of a problem so long as i managed my shit but i had friends who started drinking um and friends who started drinking a lot like way too much like i got shit-faced but i got shit-faced on weekends right like i didn't Mm. i didn't go and like there was like a couple times that i would drink like during the week but that was maybe like five times a year um and Mm. i had some friends who would just ditch class to go drink and this Mm. isn't like college where you can maybe do that and like really rationalize it by the fact that you can make up for it and you know how to balance out your like points and percentages and make sure that you're not actually missing out on anything because you know the curriculum this is like high school right so like Mm -hmm. (laughs) people were very much willing to give up on their futures just to go get shit-faced at the park um on a Mm -hmm. class day and i'm just like oh god but i kept seeing it over and over and over to the point where like one of my closer friends i didn't want to hang out with him anymore it was just like he kept being super drunk all the time and, like, causing trouble for himself because he kept getting really, really wasted and putting mm-hmm. himself in situations like that. And I was like, oh, my God, I've done that. But I keep it to, like, a minimum. And mm-hmm. But this person's doing it, like, every day, all the time. And that's I can't be around that because I already have trouble limiting myself. So, like, mm-hmm. in some aspects, mm-hmm. it's like, you you mm-hmm. have to put some distance between yourself and toxic behavior. And like you said, it's good to leave a door open where you're, like, you know if you're able to get over this and stop or if you do actually want help um i will mm-hmm. be there but i can't mm-hmm. just like watch you repeat the cycle um because mm-hmm. that's it's dragging me down too <laughs>
0: exactly you know? and so for that like with maybe i don't know what your friend's goals were in that case like to have a good time but that's such a short-sighted you know effort and with yeah. my friend and the group thread it was it was that feeling i had when i was very confused about when I, when I thought, what is her, what was her goal in reaching out to us? Why did she reach out to us? And I was like, oh, she wanted to feel very supported because she knows we're all very caring. We were all parents. That's another thing. We're like, we have kids to take care of. We can't just like be a part of, we can't drop everything and like watch these horrible videos of your shitty boyfriend. Like, why, why, yeah. why are you sending us these?
1: <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> you know. this may sound like controversial a little bit, but I don't think it will be to people who've really thought about it. Like this applies to like suicidal people too, and I I, I feel yeah. like I can say this like having been one, um, mm-hmm. many times, like many times over, been like hospitalized mm-hmm. several times, and I just I I found especially the most like the last like one or two times, I began isolating myself a lot more, because I didn't mm. want to put that on anyone else, um, mm. but like initially when I first started getting suicidal when I was really young, I used to like rope people in because i wanted to feel better and less alone and i was like well mm-hmm. i can talk to people about my problems um but your friends can only do so much right they're not psychiatrists they're not therapists they're not going to work with you on a plan to get better unless like they live really close to you or like they have the time for whatever reason or they want to um mm-hmm. and even then they're still not psychiatrists or therapists or medication or any of the things that might be able to help you um like mm-hmm. It's they're a huge part of your life, but they're not the solution if you're Mm -hmm. already in that problem. Like, so I I see that a lot with like I don't know. It's it's difficult to be around a constant reminder of issues that you like also (laughs) used to have or have like worked (laughs) on. Um, Yes. So I can I can definitely see that, and it's just it's super hard. Like you, and uh, this is why I loved this like this silly quote i found on instagram where it was like um it was like if you can't deal with me it was a play on the original one it was like if you Mm -hmm. can't deal with me at my worst then that's totally fine i understand you shouldn't have to (laughs)
0: like (laughs) instead of the classic like if you can't
1: deal with me like at my worst you don't deserve me at my best and i'm like yeah exactly yeah and i'm just like Um, what a refreshing perspective to have that like you shouldn't well, be expected what? to like, you know, deal with people just because they're not feeling well. Um, if they're beginning to drag you down, right? So, like, you can help them to an extent. To however, like, you have to protect your own mental health while helping others, right?
0: Right, and it well, it's like how how do you think I felt as a battered woman? And I don't usually refer to myself as that, but as someone who, yeah, statistically, I've been a battered woman in relationship. I've cut off a few friends who were also battered women where literally I was like, I can't live with you because I've come home and you're covered in blood and he won't look at me. I can't be around this anymore because you keep putting me through this and you're not leaving him. Like I've ended friendships to where it was. I was like, I can't be around this because I've already been around this and you're not showing a sign of leaving this. However, I am here for you when you leave him. Um, Yeah, it's a real hard, weird spot to be. And that brings me to this next point in the same book before we take a break. Uh, Accept people as facts. Interactions with people are the major source of emotional turmoil, but it doesn't always have to be that way. The problem is that we are continually judging people wishing they were something they are not. We want to change them. We want them to think and act a certain way, most often the way we think and act. And because this is not possible, because everyone is different, we are continually frustrated and upset. Instead, try to see other people as phenomena, as neutral as comets or plants. They simply exist. They come in all varieties, making life rich and interesting. Try to understand people as a fun game, the solving of puzzles. It's a part of human comedy. Stop projecting your own emotions onto them. All of this will give you more balance and calmness, more mental space for thinking. So... Um. Yeah, so you know like I know the first sentence I said to my dad uh, on FaceTime last week when we were doing a family thing. The first thing I said to my father was, "Please don't be homophobic." Because my child found this cool little workbook where you could discover your fairy name and she asked my dad if he wanted to know his fairy name and he laughed. He's like, oh, "I don't want to know my fairy name." And I said, "Don't be homophobic" cuz I can see where this is going. You know, no. and like that is a part of my father's person. It will not change. So instead I have to make space for that and carve out emotional energy every time we FaceTime him. And I will do that until he dies. And I know that. Yeah. But knowing this makes it a lot less emotional for me. So <laughs> in identifying people that bring up your your flares and your triggers, like really, really look at them for what they are and try not to take it personally. And one more book for Book Roulette. This is Fetish, Sex, An Erotic Guide for Couples by Violet Blue. Um, On page 60, it says, Know Your Roles, a quiz. Uh, To get things clear before you dive into a fetish scene, copy the following questions and answer them separately. Then show each other your answers. Circle as many as apply and feel free to fill in your own responses. So for these, it says, for example, my ideal fetish scene includes, and then you could circle any of these, Punishment, humiliation, teasing, conflict with authority, getting caught, being made to do something naughty, being something I'm not in everyday life. So you get the idea. Um, Lower down. Another question is, I'd like to be in charge, helpless, someone who gets overpowered, a submissive that turns the tables, equal the subject of some kind of sensory deprivation. So again, like what are your goals? it's not stated here as in goals, but it's like, what do you want to get out of this? What do you want to experience? And you can be as, as, you know, being more specific probably makes it harder for some people to remember everything. Like that's a lot to remember. (laughs) Um, But as you become more practiced, it's easier to remember more things. So starting simply Um, because I was on my edible and my my like awareness my idea of time was very different than bees he told me early on i hate perception of time (laughs) changing when i'm okay he's like like, i feel like you're rushing i was like
1: oh for me everything speeds up and slows down and alternates between those two and i never know if i'm being weird in public or not because like I'm like, am I walking at a normal pace or am I like jogging or am I walking really slow or am I just walking normally and freaking out? 99% of the time, I'm just walking normally and freaking out about it. But like, you know, mm-hmm. 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 I start so yeah. I start paying attention to things like how far should my like footsteps be apart from each other? And then I'm like, oh, God, this is like the definition oh. of
0: overthinking. Um, but Oh, God that's why you don't want to get too high yeah and yeah. that's like don't get too high before you play don't get oh too God. drunk before you play like I, um, yeah no i was i was yeah. so grateful i thought things were rolling along quite fine and he was like a yeah. couple times he's like are you in a rush like i really oh feel- my God, I can relate he did tell to tell me that. a couple times oh and it was such a good check-in for me i was like oh i'm sorry thank you for telling me and i really had to like it was almost like a new partner, but not. It was it was my partner that I was used to. But then, you know why I yeah. was rushing also? Because I've been in that place a bunch of times before. He hasn't. Yeah. So he needed longer to, to get relaxed anyway. And I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, duh. So. <laughs> that makes sense. So yeah so it it yeah it worked out it it worked out really great because so I initiated I was like let's go in the first room and we fooled around and he said I was kind of rushing him and so I was like okay let's slow down he says can we walk around some more so we walked around some more and he witnessed some things that turned him on and then he said well can we go in another room and I was like yes yes we can <laughs> <laughs> I was like now he's ready uh it was a good time all right so let's take a break Do you like food, boobs, and babes who smoke weed? If so, treat yourself to some wholesome stoner fun on Topless Takeout. In this new web series, you can join your host, Jacqueline, as she eats her way through Phoenix, Arizona, Topless. It'll be sure to satisfy all foodie and nudie lovers. New episodes are released once a month. Check out patreon.com forward slash topless takeout to watch the latest Not Safe for Work episode now hey friends are you sick of razor burn have your nethers cleaned up by the pros at netherlands wax in vancouver washington where experienced owner estheticians have performed literally thousands of brazilian waxes netherlands wax is gender neutral sex positive trans and queer welcoming kink positive and body positive we are just over the 205 bridge in vancouver washington worth the drive find us on facebook yelp or NetherlandsWax.com
1: welcome back to strange Bedfellows, your favorite politics self-help and sex podcast we talk about all sorts of different things and right now we're talking about our listener questions
0: Mm-hmm. we have some feedback uh this is a fun hpv leap procedure one mm-hmm I'm writing because I have HPV and would like to share my experience. I'm a 24-year-old bisexual cis woman living on the East Coast, and also to note, I am a cigarette smoker. A year ago, I had an abnormal pap smear, and after a follow-up colposcopy, they found HPV-16 precancerous cells on my cervix. My doctor at the time, who I selected because he had the first available appointment within the physician's group, advised that I should have a LEAP procedure to remove the cells. I was really nervous about the leap because the thought of having an electrified wire shoved up my pussy is, you know, kind of freaky. He numbed my cervix with a shot, but the first time he tried to inject it, it didn't go into my cervix and instead dripped all over my vagina, vulva, and even back into my ass crack. I was in stirrups. Once the shot went into my cervix, my heart started racing like crazy. The procedure went fine and so did my recovery. I didn't notice any change in my libido other than I was dying to fuck again once the three-week healing period ended. I prefer to have sex twice a week as a minimum. So yeah, she was waiting a while. In the spring, I had a checkup pap smear that again came back abnormal. This time for a second colposcopy, I saw a different gynecologist. She was shocked that I had already had a leap procedure and told me that because I'm young and physically healthy, other than being a smoker, She believes my body will clear the virus within a few years and that we should just keep a watch on the cells to ensure that they don't grow or spread. She said that I should have gotten a second opinion before doing the leap and that the other gyno took very aggressive measures that weren't entirely necessary apparently it's rare for women my age to have this going on i kick myself in the ass quite frequently for not getting the hpv vaccination when i was 18 since then i have gotten all three shots and just can't emphasize enough that everyone should get the hpv vaccine i'm sure y'all agree um so the hpv vaccine was very expensive at first it was like what three rounds of shots and i think they were like 450 or 600 dollars each Um, I think it's cheaper now but you need to ask because it very well could be more affordable Um, ask what the HPV vaccine costs for you I've been told that some clinics do it for free Um, it's advised children now are getting it Uh, primarily they were just doing female children I think it's starting at the age of 11 when I say they I think this is what the CDC recommended for all of the U.S. Um, whether it's available depends where you live And for male children, I think they're now also recommending the vaccine because males don't have cervixes usually. Uh, Yeah. So they don't – it's harder to test, but they can transmit it, and they do. Um, So the LEAP procedure – John, did you hear about the LEAP procedure? They're finding out that it can actually make it more difficult – to have an orgasm for some women or to carry they know that it can make it more difficult to carry a pregnancy to full term if you've had a leap procedure because it it slices off like a disc shaped amount of your cervix, and your cervix is one of the things that helps keep the baby in so you're not effacing and dilating and the cervix keeps the uterus separate from the vagina. But a lot of women were given a LEAP procedure when it could have been something that was actually monitored because HPV is a very slow growing virus, apparently. And if it's it's on your cervix and you're under 25, you can definitely shed it out because your cervix sheds. So that's all. I just wanted to share that. Uh, This is a, yeah, second opinions are valuable. John, can you read the next one?
1: So our other listener question goes as follows. I am a cis woman, 21 years old. I feel like I'm in a dilemma. I'll try to make this as short as possible. When I was 18, I was in a long-term relationship with an abusive male. I went to the OBGYN to get birth control, even though he would refuse to have sex without a condom. My doctor attempted to use the speculum on me, and I had a full-blown panic attack just thinking about the medieval torture-looking device going into me. It should also be noted that my first sexual experience at 15 was very traumatic. Fast forward to now. I have since broken up with my boyfriend and have had unprotected sex with another man. I don't particularly enjoy sex most of the time, but I do it anyway, almost to try to fit in with my friends. I have had sex with girls and almost enjoyed it better. I recently went to the OBGYN again to get tested for STIs and to get a pap smear. Again, I had a huge panic attack at the side of the speculum. I feel like there's something wrong with me in regards to opening myself up to medical professionals and sexual partners because I know I can trust my doctor, and I can't allow myself to get properly checked. And when I'm in a sexual situation, I don't usually enjoy things going in me and have trouble feeling pleasure due to feeling so uncomfortable. Is this normal? Is there any way I can relax in both medical and sexual situations? Should I go to therapy for this?
0: Ooh, so there's a lot going on here. Um, Okay, so what are her goals? Well, fitting in with your friends is going to be a, a dangerous one, you know. So I would say let's reassess our goals. Why are you having sex? Maybe let's take a break from trying to have sex right now. Um, I had sex when I was 14, 15 to be like my friends too. um, And it was not the best time. I would... What we just talked about, about the the doctor doing unnecessary leap, there are doctors that suck at their job and don't know what they're talking about and are sex negative. So it's not how can I be relaxed, but hopefully through enough exposure and practice and like listening to the show and learning resources is kind of know what to look for. And that's a medical professional that will explain things to you, not seem maybe impatient. Um, Not pressure you um, and will give you time to get a second opinion. Um, I would say try to familiarize yourself with speculums. Look at a bunch of pictures of them. Look at pictures of them on the internet. Look at pictures of them in a book if you can find books that have pictures of them. Ask your provider to run it under the water or under the heat lamp or hold it, you know, like warm it up. With the lube on it before they try to put it in you because sometimes it's cold (laughs) you can tell your provider this is very uncomfortable for me i feel like i have discomfort around penetration is there any way we can do this very slowly um that you know opens yourself up to some vulnerability but i'm just naming some options that come to mind um definitely in a sexual situation why don't you investigate sex with girls more women more Almost enjoyed it better. I've had sex with girls and almost enjoyed it better. Well, maybe explore that. Good on you for going to get tested, um, especially knowing that you're in relationship situations that aren't ideally as uh, safe and transparent as we would like them to be. Uh, I always recommend people go to therapy if they feel like talking to someone would be helpful for them. And again, use the same recommendations where try to research the right provider. You think that for you, like, what are my goals? What do I want to talk about? For me, when I looked for my therapist, I was like, well, I'm non monogs and I'm queer and I'm a sex worker. So I looked for someone who said that they worked with any of those populations. And then I asked about the sex worker thing. It turns out it was fine. (laughs) John, what do you think?
1: I think that when she talked about the speculum, especially because that seems to be an issue, at least when it comes to medical examinations, I know that there are different types of speculums from the time that I had Googled it when we talked about it on the podcast. And I wonder if something like a plastic speculum might be less scary. Mm -hmm. Um, I can just imagine like a baby blue or like a pearl white like speculum being a lot less intimidating Mm -hmm. than a metal one that really does look like a medieval torture device. Um, i don't know if that's feasible i imagine it is Uh, maybe that's a clear request
0: um yeah i mean they tend to be clear as far as i'm aware yeah and that that looks nicer than metal i agree feels nicer too um and sometimes that stuff is just yeah i mean i don't love i don't love getting a pap smear i don't love getting a teeth cleaning but it's like comfortable enough and it's worth it to me that so. I do it. <laughs>
1: there's a, you're gaining more than you're losing from it, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Risk versus reward. Um, so, yeah, uh, there's nothing wrong with you. I understand, dear listener, how you got to where you are. Um. I think it makes a lot of sense why you feel these ways about these things. So give yourself permission to be okay with thinking that speculums are scary and that mm, men partners can be abusive. <laughs> uh. And women partners, but uh, let's move to the next one. This is just a funny one I tossed in here. I, I'm interested to hear what you say, John. Um, I love, 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 love being able to freely talk about sexuality as a topic. However, I find that the moment it's brought up to men as a conversation topic, they assume that I either want to fuck them, that they can at any time bring up questions about my personal preferences, or that they can from then on tell me what they would like to do with me or dreams they have had about me. <laughs> It makes me feel super uneasy talking about sexuality to anyone other than other women. Just because I talk about sexual things doesn't mean I'm interested in the person I'm discussing them with. I guess I'm asking this mainly, uh, I guess I'm saying this mainly to ask if, A, is this an issue you ever come across? And B, do you have any suggestions about it? Uh, I guess this question is more to me because I'm a, feminine person uh yeah i remember i was standing outside of i think it was a speech class and uh another student that i had been partnered with he asked me where i worked and i said um i work at blah 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 the porn shop in this town and i think within like 30 seconds later he's like so you want to go fuck in the bathroom and i was like what and he was like what Damn. That was the most, one of the most obtuse interactions about that. Um, So in, again, here, I'm asking this again, when you love being able to freely talk about sexuality as a topic, what are your goals? Are you trying, like, are you trying to share information? Are you getting really excited about something? Because here's where we need to check our own like privilege in terms of being women a lot of us are more comfortable saying things that men can't say because we can make the jokes about you know like I said to be last night I was like oh I'm just trying to get you drunk before I take you to the sex club ha 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 the joke is that he agreed to it I'm also like much smaller than him so me taking advantage of him like I mean it could happen and absolutely could look at hustlers you know <laughs> that yeah. they were talking about um right but but like we get why that joke exists, right? Cause it's very yeah. like less likely. So, but as a woman, when you're bringing up sexuality as a topic, what are your goals? Because if you're trying to titillate people and it's okay for you, but not for them, then don't do that. Um, yeah. but if you're truly like, Oh, I read this really interesting article and it pertains to this. And if people get a little Twitter painted about it, you can circle back to, well, I'd actually, I brought it up because I wanted to talk about XYZ aspect about it, not because I want to hear what you thought about what you dreamt about me. No. Does that make sense? That's what I would suggest to some people. That's a really nice way, if you're feeling pressured, to circle back to a some kind of like working agreement to the interaction. Like, do we agree? Let's talk about this, this, and not this. That's what I would like. Okay. Do this with customers sometimes. They try to steer a conversation. I say, you know, I'd actually just prefer to talk about the thing you're talking about. And then, you know. But that's when they're paying me. So (laughs) hopefully you can just walk away if someone's being annoying. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think, John? Like, you don't really have interactions like this though,
1: do you? I mean, not not really, no. Um, not at the moment. Also, a lot of the people that I go to college with aren't really having those discussions, which is sad, but
0: what do you say um like god do any of your classmates know you do the podcast because what would they like what would you say if someone's like what what do you do for fun or what else do you do and, oh
1: my god so like two dudes invited me after our club meeting um at college and like to go hang out and we ended up oh, One second, Mike fell over we ended up um smoking and I came off as really boring because I didn't want to talk about like any <laughs> of the parts of my life that are interesting right <laughs> so like they were like oh do you live like by yourself I'm like oh I have an apartment with a roommate like I've, I've been, oh, I was laughing God. about it with Matt after because I'm like I don't know these are two straight dudes and I don't know how they're going to react they're high they're playing video games mm-hmm. and they've already been kind of a dick about me being vegan so like I don't know
0: Mm. yeah so
1: then i was just like oh not much i kind of just you know hang out and they're like oh do you just smoke a lot or like what what do you do like video games i'm like "Mm, just you know stuff like (laughs) i just came off as really boring because i couldn't be like yeah i'm like audio engineer for like a sex and politics podcast um i have a boyfriend who i hang out with all the time and like drive to places with
0: it's right weird. it's really hard
1: younger than me because they've all just like left high school and i'm like
0: oh god it's so god. frustrating and you both... don't... Mm, yeah right exactly so you kind of you understand yeah it's like sometimes you really just can't talk about anything because you just know it's gonna open a like a can of dicks yeah. really and you don't know how people <laughs> are gonna
1: react and yeah Mm-hmm. mm-hmm and i was also too high to drive so like i didn't want to get into a situation where i felt like awkward and wanted to leave but couldn't leave you know like so yeah
0: mm. i like
1: to always give myself a couple hours before i go like drive again and would like to feel fully sober and uh
0: good yeah good yeah okay good that's how that should but, yeah, be i
1: kind of decided to not put myself in that position anymore because i was like oh this is just like mm. i don't know it's, it's weird, too, because, like, they just wanted to hang out and smoke and not do anything else. And I was just like, OK. Like, <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. You're like, yeah. I'm too old for this. Um, I set a boundary on my social media because I knew I said to be. I was like, it's Saturday night. They're having a fundraiser event night at this sex venue. Um, we're going to see people. I'm going to see somebody I know. So I posted on my Instagram. I was like, B and I are going to the sex club. Please do not pull me aside to talk to me about the podcast. <laughs> No. Yeah. Do you ever feel like a closeted man? A closeted uh, gay man?
1: I don't know. I don't like I closeted is one thing. Feeling like mildly unsure of people's reactions in a world where you're already mostly out. Like if someone asked me I'm going to tell them. Um on the other Good hand, if someone doesn't ask, <laughs> I may never tell <laughs> them. So you know, that's it's weird. It's like you mm-hmm. come out to over and over in lots of different ways to lots of different people, and uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's
0: it's a shitty world. In way ways, it yeah, sounds world, tiring. So it's weird. Yeah, it sounds tiring. Did you know this is an older article? So Nestle, it's almost, uh, as we record this, it's almost Halloween time. Nestle is a really big household family name. The company's been around a long time. Well, I thought it was interesting in terms of thinking about really recognizable common name companies that engage in forced labor and trafficking that is very much just a part of our life that we accept. Um I'm always interested in hearing about trafficking statistics, uh, partly because I get asked so much about trafficking in my industry. So a lot of times the questions that I get, such as uh, at a training recently, I had someone ask me from out of town, like, well, well, it's true that Portland is this big sex trafficking hub, right? Like, that's what I keep hearing. And I said, well, you know... I don't have numbers on that, but consistently when I speak to law enforcement um, or you look at federal statistics, much more agriculture industry is related to trafficking. Um, It's much more visible. I mean, you could drive past in some parts of the country. You can see migrant workers like you can see people where it's like you are a person who looks like you came here from another country you're working in a field all day you're on a flip phone and you're waiting for a bus or a caravan to go back to the house that you share like i've i've grown up around migrant workers my whole life i grew up in southern california in a very rural area um the i-5 the interstate 5 that connects mexico to canada i've always lived near it so i see a lot of people who are itinerant workers that don't have documentation or paperwork or necessarily are getting paid properly Um, So Nestle came out uh, three years ago. It said, Nestle admits slavery in Thailand while fighting child labor lawsuit on the Ivory Coast. Uh, The company has admitted using forced labor in the Thai seafood industry, but much of the supply chain remains hidden. So like transparency in the things that we buy. It says, independently disclosing that Nestle customers had unwittingly bought products contaminated by the very worst labor abusers, the company said it was moving into a new era of self-policing its own supply chains. A year-long investigation by the company, so they were investigating themselves, because it's a massive company, confirmed media reports that the seafood industry in Thailand is riddled with forced labor and human trafficking, and that slave labor was involved in the production of its Fancy Feast cat food brand. Okay, interesting. Um, so Nestle makes chocolate also. Um, this is why if I buy candy and I don't buy it very often, I try not, I hate this. I hate saying this, but I try to buy organic locally made candy and chocolate because number one, I can afford it and I live in Portland, but I know that it's not part of some kind of child slavery chain. No. Yeah. Um. I just want to encourage people to investigate like where our money goes. Um, Look up consumer reports like type a company's name and then type um, worker safety reports or consumer reports um, type a company's name plus labor issues and then do like a news search and see if something comes up. Yeah. I um,
1: remember in a, uh- little bit of a a sickeningly ironic twist at least when i was a kid i remember having heard that you know kinder chocolate
0: yes yeah Mm -hmm. so
1: kinder in german which just means like you know for kids so kids or for kids Mm -hmm. um and it's like kids chocolate because it's like super super milk chocolate um with milk cream filling so it's like kids love it and it has a picture of like some german kid on it and I was eating that. And my, my uncle, who at the time owned a, a chocolate shop in Berlin, he was, like, super annoyed at me. And I was like, that's weird. And my aunt talked <laughs> to me about it later. And she was like, oh, he doesn't like Kinder chocolate because he buys, like, you know, fair trade chocolate. Um, and mm-hmm. he thinks that Kinder chocolate is bad because I guess they've had issues with, like, there was child labor used in the cacao sourcing. I mean, to mm-hmm. be fair, I was, like, Twelve, so I don't know. I'm, I'm not really mm-hmm. the one to manage that shit at that age. But like, no. he was just like, "Oh, that's like crap chocolate," and I'm like, "Oh, weird. I like it. Like, I'm twelve.
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> um, right?" He's like, right. "Have this or- fair
1: trade certified, like ninety eight percent dark chocolate. This is real chocolate." And I'm like, "No, fuck your chocolate. Like, I want this chocolate. Yeah.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> but because um, it's expensive and yeah. it probably doesn't taste the same. Yeah. No, so,
1: so I- um, yeah." So yeah, so it's it's good to to be aware. I think Nestle is also not great for like local water systems or something. Um, they uh, yeah, I think I think they own a couple water companies that take from local communities for very little. Um, yeah, which is to I be fair, Nestle's like fifty percent the company's fault, fifty percent like the local municipalities slash governments' fault for allowing that to happen. Um, I think corporations are often like evil but that's kind of just what you should expect from a corporation is for them to be evil like that's why we should have laws in place to protect against that shit <laughs> like, um so it's hard to it's hard to kind of like figure out like what what goes over the line um but no nestle is definitely uh, they they're not environmentally conscious they're not socially responsible and um they definitely mm-hmm. have used like slave labor so <laughs> mm-hmm. all around North yeah company, uh, a lot no. of vegan stores boycott them um like as a you know policy
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh interesting i didn't know that apparently so relating to mention this and we'll move on uh nestle is one of the companies facing this was written in 2016 but legal action in the united states uh, in 2016, it was two other companies failed in its bid to get the U.S. Supreme Court to throw out a lawsuit seeking to hold them liable for the alleged use of child slaves in cocoa farming in the Ivory Coast. What do I not really need sometimes? Because that is that is such a, as a person who's always trying to save money, and when I find out that there's a company um, that has some questionable ethics or you know, environmental impacts that I don't want to support, that I buy, sometimes I'm like, oh, Oh, good. Oh, this will push me to like not buy that anymore. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Motivation. Thank you everybody for listening to our episode. We hope we gave you. you some kind of tools for giving feedback or reassessing charged situations. Um, if you ever see John at the sex club, don't bother him to talk about the podcast. <laughs> don't bother. Don't bother me to talk about the podcast either. <laughs> Uh, all right, everybody, check us out on social media. We are Strange Bedfellows PDX on Instagram. Same name for the website. I am Stripper Writer all over the internet. You can find John at metric.cafe. Thanks, everybody. Until next time. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Strange Bedfellows Podcast. To find behind the scenes photos, bonus clips, and journals from your guests and hosts, Type www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Strange Bedfellows and join for only $1. Find us online at StrangeBedfellowsPDX.com and Instagram at StrangeBedfellowsPDX. You can find me, L. Stanger, on StripperWriter.com and Instagram as L. Stanger.
1: Write your hate mail or sex and relationship questions to Pillow Talk at strangebedfellowspdx.com and find me, John, on Instagram at metric.cafe. Please rate and review our show on your favorite listening app. Thanks for supporting sex education and freedom of expression.